Hello everyone and welcome to episode three of The Soul Fill. For those of you who have been tuning in since the beginning, thank you so much. If this is your first episode with us, welcome. There are two other episodes before this one that I think you can always go back to and listen, but doesn't matter where you pick up, there are always some good nuggets for your soul. This week's guest is an incredible entrepreneur. She is amazing, and she is also a fellow Filipino sister, so I had so much fun with this conversation. I'm so pleased to welcome to the show Raquel Ding. She is the owner of Baby's Cucina and Market, a modern Filipino restaurant in North Philadelphia. But before she made the decision to pursue her dream of opening a restaurant, Raquel worked in the life sciences industry for over a decade, building expertise in financial analytics, drug pricing, and market access. Raquel is passionate about her community and also co-founded the nonprofit Philly Solidarity in 2021 with the mission of empowering the AAPI community in Philly while also building solidarity across communities of color. Raquel hopes to continue honoring her culture and heritage through her entrepreneurship journey while also giving back to her community. I love this conversation, and so I can't wait for you guys to listen. Let's jump right in. Welcome to The Soul Fill, a podcast where we celebrate life's accomplishments and challenges, but most importantly, the life that we live in between. Join me, your host, Carla, for weekly conversations with some incredible women as we explore life's unique journeys and share tips on how to fill your soul. Raquel, welcome to The Soul Fill. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Busy. I appreciate you having me on here. Excited, have been excited to, to chat with you. Good. I'm so glad for you to be here. I love, I've been following along on your Instagram journey from, you know, pop up di- dining pop-ups to now opening a restaurant. And we can definitely dive into that. Um, but what I like to ask us to start off is what is keeping you occupied these days? Oh my God. What's not keeping me <laughs> occupied. Um, we're about like two months or so from opening. So just occupied with everything from, you know, building out our team at the restaurant, um, construction at the restaurant, permits and funding and all these crazy things that don't happen in a chronological order. They all happen all at once. So preoccupied with the business, preoccupied with life. Um, You know, my husband Tom is deployed right now. We're just kind of navigating opening this restaurant without him. And he's been my partner in all of this for the past five years since we've been doing our food pop-up. So I was a lot with my dog, my dog, she occupies my time for comfort. <laughs> so a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on. I bet that's, you're navigating a lot, but why don't we just jump from kind of like the beginning of your journey here. So first, when we met, I was working at a company called Eat With. We did dining experiences and you were one of our hosts in Philly. So you had your dining pop-up, Tita Emmy's. Um, and now you're about to open your restaurant. So can you just maybe say more about your journey? What brought you to the culinary world? Probably a culmination of things, I think. And Carly could probably, this probably resonates with you, but I think being Filipina, food was always so important growing up, right? Like sharing meals with our family, sharing culture happened through, through food. And so have always 
been, I've always gravitated towards food uh, and culture. I think at one point in my 20s, I was yearning for a way to reconnect with my culture in my own kind of way. And I did that through food. And that started with just, you know, talking with my family, learning family recipes, and then kind of taking it a step further and doing my own creative interpretations of dishes that I grew up with, mixed with my own experiences, my own flavor, palate, and preferences. So what really started as kind of just like learning more about my culture and then wanting to share that with my friends became this thing where like, why don't we share this with more folks? And that's kind of how we landed at Eat With. And I think here in Philadelphia, it's interesting um, because there isn't a very big Filipino food community or really in the food industry, there's still very underrepresented. And I think it's probably true generally in the States, there isn't as much Filipino food representation, at least as much as we would expect because there's such a big Filipino population. Um, but here, especially in Philadelphia, it's very underrepresented. And so my husband and I started this, you know, dining series pop-up with Eat With, where we would invite folks in our home and they would enjoy a multi-course meal um, inspired by my Filipino roots. Um, that was really a great way to build community, share our story. It's like a, an authentic way. Nothing is more intimate than eating in somebody's home and eating food that is really a reflection of them themselves and their identity and their, their story. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, I can guess the reception has been great because you're opening a storefront. A restaurant, but how was that for you in the beginning? Where it's like it's it probably is people who have never experienced Filipino food before. Were they like, what is this? Were they intrigued? Like, how has that rece- reception to your pop up been? And then, kind of, how have you mm-hmm. maybe seen it evolve um, now that you're at this restaurant stage? It's been interesting. I think from our side, it was tough because we were doing our pop ups while working full time jobs. I was still working my nine to five job in the pharmaceutical industry. So we weren't doing it, these dining experiences as regularly as we wanted to. Um, But the reception was mixed because I think the audience was also very diverse. We had people that kind of were very much like us, where they might be first-generation Asian, first-generation Filipino-American where they were looking for spaces where they could eat the food that was familiar to them, but maybe a little bit different. Um, and then we also have people that have never had Filipino food before, totally new to the cuisine, and like so eager to learn about not just the food, but the culture. Um, and then also you have people that are not unsure of how to interpret um, some of our dishes, because yes, we'll do classic dishes, but then of course we'll do more contemporary or modern style um, dishes where it takes influence from other, maybe less conventional, less conventional ways to present the Filipino dish. So I think our 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 reception has been different, has been generally very good, different, and I think that makes sense because everyone has a different experience with Filipino food, whether you're from the Philippines, whether you're first generation, second generation, or just completely new to the food. And I think for me, that was all the reason why we should create a space because there's so much interest and differences of experiences. And I wanted to create a space where we can just embrace all of that. 
I feel like what you did, especially with an un not so common cuisine in an area, I think I live here in San Jose and it's like, we have a ton of Asian restaurants, but not that many Filipino restaurants, you know? And I think it's, it's brave for anyone to kind of branch out and be like, Hey, look, not, and I love what you said that it, it was kind of like your way of like kind of showing your representation through food. Um, what was that like in the beginning for you? Um, like in, in taking that risk to say, you could probably, well, one, like, did you grow up cooking and whatnot? So you, you know, how did you get to this place where you had the skill set to be able to, you know, cook for others? And then the second part is like, what was going through your head in taking that risk? Because you could have probably easily done something that was a little more approachable or, you know, or was that even an option? Like, were you like, no, I'm here to like represent and I want people to know Filipino cuisine. And that's the only way you were going to do a pop-up. Yeah, I think my journey is probably very different because I don't have I didn't come from a culinary background, went to culinary school, or was even in hospitality. I came from the pharmaceutical industry. And I think my first job out of college was consulting. And so I traveled a ton. Um, and I was on the flip side of the hospitality industry where I was constantly traveling, staying in hotels, and I was constantly at restaurants and like enjoying hospitality as a patron. And They've gone to hundreds and hundreds of restaurants and very little few options for Filipino food. And I think for me, it was always like, why, why isn't the cuisine I grew up, I, I've grown up with, why isn't that ever at the forefront? Why don't we have spaces where we can enjoy our food? And I hate the word elevated, but for lack of a better word, in a space where you can feel like, oh, it's not just a mom and pop, but they're really taking the cuisine to the next level. Even mom and pop, Filipino restaurants like Duro Duro Sal's, not even, there's not many in Philly at all, um, or even in the general vicinity. There's very few. So I think like going into this world was a result of wanting to see more representation as somebody who enjoys the food industry and who dines a lot through my career. And then also need the, the want to see our culture represented, not just in food, but in entrepreneurship. I think growing up, we were always taught, you know, our parents are immigrants. They wanted us to go to school and have a nine to five, a comfortable life without having to worry about changes or trying to survive, get an education, ideally become a nurse or something of that nature, right? But don't go into something that could be hard or challenging, like entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So I think I also wanted to take this opportunity to like pay homage to my culture, but do it in a way that's kind of radical for a first generation Filipino, right? We're always told, go to school, be in healthcare, do something stable. We're not always told to take a risk mm-hmm. and see see what happens on the other side. And like for me, I think. Seeking entrepreneurship, I hope my family will see one day they gave me that opportunity to be able to take this, right? Right? It's like they they sacrificed so much. And the fact that I can do something that brings me joy, that's probably the best thing that can come out of all of this, right? Not just being stable, but finding joy and taking a risk. I have my family to thank for that. Yeah. How were, like, were they super supportive when you started? Are they, like, 
<laughs> because I, I hear you. I mean, like I, the one time I said I wanted to be a pediatrician, my mom jumped on that and like never let it go. I was like, oh, sorry, I'm going to go do comms and go into the news. Like far from the medical field. So, I mean, they were supportive, but I think they had like dreams of my career path going into like a medical field. Um, but yeah, how did your family kind of take it when you said, I'm going to pursue this dream in the culinary space? I think the papa was cool. It was like, oh, and then they, I named Tita, maybe it was after my mom. So like, but I still had my corporate job. So it was like, oh, that's cool. Like, have fun. But as soon as I quit my job and I said, I'm going to open a restaurant, my family was like, whoa, why would you do that? Are you sure? I had a very successful career and I was in the pharmaceutical industry for 12 years. So at that point, I had already built a trajectory for myself. And so it was very hard to say, I quit my job. I don't have a job lined up. And I'm just going to do something very risky, especially coming out of the pandemic, right? Where all these, you know, food businesses, small businesses, especially closed down due to the pandemic. So I think it was very scary. And it is still very scary for my family because um, they don't want me to struggle. They don't want, they don't want me to worry. Um, but I think once they're in the space, I hope that they'll feel very, they'll feel very different. Me too. I'm like rooting for you on the silence because I, I, I do like your intent is like they helped you get this right. These these sacrifices that they've made and um, have paid the way for you to be able to make these decisions. Um, I want to ask about just like fulfillment because like you had mentioned just this like bringing you joy, right? And I think it's so hard. <laughs> for people to say they find joy in their in their day-to-day -day work. Um, because I know there is a fine line, right? There's something that you can be passionate about, but the minute it turns into work, you can kind of walk a fine line of it. Now it doesn't feel as like fulfilling. And so I I wonder like with, with your journey, um, what is it about cooking and like serving people and being able to represent um, your culture? that brings you like that fulfillment and joy. Cause and one, like, I mean, did you feel that when you were working in pharmaceuticals or was it like just, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, what is, what does joy look like in those two workspaces and, and what is it about being in the space you're in now that makes you feel fulfilled? Um, I feel like the answer has probably changed so much over the years, but I've always found myself even working. So in the pharmaceutical industry, I worked in, um, uh, for to just to simplify this, I was in like financial analytics. I did drug pricing, so it wasn't a profession that allowed me to really be creative, um, and so and and build community. Throughout my career, I've always found opportunities to build community outside of my role. I was constantly, um, like I had started the Pansies and Affinity Group at my last job. I was always the one saying. Um, what are we doing for the team? How is everyone doing, especially during the pandemic when everyone was going through so many changes? And so I noticed throughout my career and also started a nonprofit during the pandemic, I was always making space on top of everything else I was doing to bring people together and empower people to kind of look into their own identity and, and want to share their culture with other people. So that was always been always at the forefront. I always want to connect people. I always want to create space for food because I feel like connection happens so organically through food. So I think those two, two things always 
was so easy. And so doing these dining clubs, it was an easy way to build connection. And so I feel like for me, joy is building community and helping other people feel seen, whether it's through something as simple as I'm creating them a meal and what I fed them may remind them of something from when they were growing up or something else. But I think I find joy in, in building community and using food as that kind of vessel to create that. Yeah, I love that. And now I'm starting to wonder if that is like the Filipino in us, like bringing people. It is, yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, oh, what do I love to do? I, I, I love to host people. I love to find, like you said, those opportunities. And like even in this podcast, right? It's like me going back and be like, who do I know that we can like create this community with around, you know, and just talking about life experiences. Um, I feel like that is very Filipino. Um, I, it is, yeah. And, and and it's funny because I feel like that's that's what people know Filipinos for, like the fun parties and being able to come together and the good food. So true. But it's like the good food at the parties, not and then taking them home. And um, so I, I know I thought that was funny because I feel that same way. And like the things that bring me joy is just having people around. But um, you know, we talk we're talking about joy, um, because what you're doing is very inspiring and it's it's very you know you had that career trajectory nine to five ish if you will right but like taking the risk to kind of follow your heart and do what's authentic for you um you know there's there's obviously like the parental aspect that you know your family support what are some of the other the other challenges that you've encountered throughout this journey and um you know how how have you navigated that I think from like a business perspective, just teaching myself everything. Like I was in a nine to five, so I never had to think about my employees and payroll and vendors to use. And, you know, we went through the whole process of closing on a building with our family and like learning what that looks like. So I think a lot of the challenges has to do with just understanding starting a business in general. And even more specifically, how do we start a food business, which I feel like I've been lucky enough to have people in our court that can provide mentorship and advice. And I've done the best I could to really reach out and ask for help. I think it's so important to, it's hard to do things or to expect yourself to do something on your own. It's so important to ask for help. And I've been very thankful and grateful for people in our network that have encouraged us and given us advice and kind of helped us navigate. But I think one of the biggest challenges, there are times where you're just going to have to figure it out yourself and it can feel very alienating and isolating because other people within your network may not have a similar journey and they may not understand the kind of stress you might be going through. Um, So it's hard. Um, I think also there will always be people that support you. But sometimes it gets challenging when there are people within your support system or your network that are also discouraging. I mean, we talked about like parents and I don't think they mean to be like, don't do this or don't do that. It's just they want you to be secure and comfortable and not have to struggle like they might have had to. And so navigating like the social aspect of people within your network that may not provide the support they can 
because they might have different philosophies, that can be very challenging. Mm-hmm. Also. So how do you like kind of navigate that? Do you still like include, like, you know, if they're in your support system, they're obviously not going anywhere, but do you just kind of like know when to share and when not to share? Um, like, you know, for somebody, I think, I think a lot of immigrant families, you know, may face this, like when you have somebody that is more entrepreneurial in spirit, like it, it, it totally goes against, not goes against, it's not the trajectory I think that is the most stable. And I think you really hit the nail on the head. Like, it's not that they don't support what you're doing. They want you to be able to land on your feet and have stability. Um, and so with some people like your parents or maybe like a sibling or whoever that is that may not have that support that you are looking for, how do you still maintain that connection um, where this is clearly something you're excited about and you're pursuing? Um and still including them in it, but also protecting like your space and your mindset um, from what maybe the negativity that maybe they don't mean to, but comes with obviously someone who's like, well, you should be doing this instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, the last thing I need is for something to go wrong and for someone in my family to be like, well, I told you, I told you. So I think there's this, um, it's kind of like navigating protecting your energy and protecting kind of like um I know there were people within my network that I can go to and say hey I've had a really hard day Uh, our our permit process has been very long you know I can vent to that person Mm -hmm. no judgment I'm that person may not necessarily be my mom right my mom is probably the person that I would go to and say hey mom they just put us on on ABC News here's the link to the uh news article like, I think you have to navigate knowing that there are different people in your network that can provide support in different ways. It's still support. It just might look differently. And to not take that to heart. Because I think when my family at first was like, I don't know, I don't know if you should do this. I kind of took that to heart. But then kind of peeling back the layers and saying, well, this is probably why they think this way. Let me just give them the grace and time, they're going to get there. But I think they just need to see. They just need to see it because mm-hmm. it's hard to conceptualize something that they never thought could be possible, right? They just want to be a, have a nine to five and not worry about it. And so I think I just, it's more so kind of level setting with myself that not everyone is going to be able to give me the same kind of support. And that's, that's absolutely okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because I feel like I'm learning that right now and just in different ways. Like some people just are not one capable of giving you the kind of support that maybe you need. Um, but there's probably somebody else in your life that can be that. And it happens more naturally for them. You know, sometimes um, I'm not going to put my husband under the boss, but he's very, um, he's very, not, not emotional, not like, you know, like I'm very affirmation. So sometimes I just need somebody to say, Hey, great job. You crushed it. You know, but like he shows his love and support in other ways by being there, by showing up to events. And so I think that was something for me. It was like, he doesn't love me any less, doesn't support me any less, but I just know that if I want somebody to be like, go you, I love you. Like I'm going to call my friend Kelly, who's like, you're so awesome. Blah, blah, blah. Make me feel good. Right. And just knowing that, and it gives you the power back to, to like you said, protect your mind and your space because you're in control of your circle. And so it's really just finding like, okay, what do I need right now? And like, who do I know that is going to give me that? Um, 
And I, I just like that you said that because I think so many times that's where a lot of disappointment can come in and like with other people and your mm-hmm. And I think whatever you're going through, whatever you need, um, taking a step back and be like, what is natural for somebody and not kind of holding that against them because they can't give you the affirmation, but instead being like, well, where else can I find that support? Knowing that this person still loves and supports me um, is powerful. And I, I just feel like it gives you, it's, it's empowering to know that like you can go into your circle and be like, I know how I need to be supported and I know who I can go to. And if you don't have that person, like, I don't know, <laughs> finding like ways to find that elsewhere, whether that's like a podcast that you're listening to. And then someone's like, go give yourself self okay, affirmations. Like that support is there. You just have to do the work. Um, and I think it's it's just important that you you called that out because so many times I think we just like when we need support one, if you're willing to ask for it, which is sometimes really hard. And I think, and I wonder if you feel this yeah. way as like, um, I feel like in Filipino culture, especially, we're always giving to others and we're always serving others and we're always putting people before us, it's like, it just means like, cause I, and I think I'm an older sister too. So there's like that and like being Filipino, yeah. like, I care more about taking care of the people around me instead of taking what I need first. Um, do you ever feel that way? And like doing what yeah. you're Yeah. And that's what we're supposed to do as also women, right? I feel like you have this responsibility as the daughter, maybe the eldest, I'm also, the, I'm the oldest too. Like you have a responsibility to take care of everybody. We can't pour from an empty cup. And I feel like we take that with us into adulthood. And now like in my thirties, I'm like unpacking, unpacking that. Like we have to also take care of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I I honestly, and that's, that's funny full circle. This is what this whole podcast is about is like, because I struggle with it. And so I'm like, how do we fill cups? How do people Mm. fill their own cups first before, you know, and even like your business, like your business needs, like your needs should come before your business needs because there's no way your business is going to propel forward without you being fully, um, you're like there, wholly like what yeah. one at a thousand percent. Um, like on the topic of like women in business, how has that been for you as like not only a woman entrepreneur, like a person of color stepping into a space that's, you know, I feel like culinary world is predominantly men, but you know, we're, we're getting yeah. there. Yeah. Um, what was that? What's that journey like for you? Oh, it's been interesting. I think I've experienced everything from people that may be a little bit condescending kind of towards me because I don't have a culinary background. Um, so like well, we may be in conversations with vendors, my husband and I, and they talk to my husband and not, and not necessarily toward like directly towards me, which is funny because between my husband and I, he's my support system and we do this together, but he knows that I'm really making a lot of the decisions and kind of driving things forward. So it is interesting because I've, I've come across dynamics where because I'm the woman, or I don't necessarily have that background, I can kind of look differently. And that was hard for us getting started. In the beginning, I would just ask, you know, restaurant owners and business owners, hey, you know, we're just getting started. We do pop-ups. Um, would, you, would you ever be interested in allowing us to pop up in your space? A lot of no's, a lot of people just 
ghosted, <laughs> ghosted me. But like, I was never afraid to ask. But I think uh, then over time, obviously that changed. Now we do a lot of pop-ups. Um, but my experience has been all over the board. And I think what's great is I've found a community of other women business owners have been so supportive and that I can go to and ask for advice. And even running our business, I've partnered with so many women-owned businesses, um, like our coffee roaster is woman-owned, agent-owned. They'll be roasting all our coffee beans. They have been, they've provided such great advice and just support throughout this whole process. Um, and then our coffee beans, our coffee supplier, Filipino woman-owned, um, we're supplying all our beans from the Philippines. He worked directly with single-source, single-family farms in the Philippines, and now we're able to source our beans from them. So I feel like we've had some not-so-great uh, communications with people, but then also we've had some incredible opportunities to partner with people that are like-minded and mission-driven, and that has been great, too. But I think that's just a part of life. You're not always going to come across people um, that are similar-minded or positive experiences, but you kind of just take that and you you grow from that. Yeah. I, that's awesome that you've been able to find that community because I think that's like half the battle is like knowing you have people on your side. Um, as someone like who, I, you know, I've kind of transitioned like careers throughout the past and 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 moved to different cities and like now still feel like I'm like what is my community I don't know I don't have what is like mm. how what would you say to somebody who's like I, how did you create community for you and like how did you find these people to kind of work alongside it was it like is it like dating where you're like hey I'm opening a restaurant <laughs> Uh, do you want to know what I'm about <laughs> like um I guess it's just more it sounds like you've you found like a solid group um, to kind of help support you in, in that, um, you know, in, in your business ventures. So uh, just like in general, you know, what are some tips mm -hmm. who may be wanting that and don't know where to start? And plus making friends as an adult is so hard. <laughs> I feel like it is so, it is so hard, but my friends always make fun of me because I always, I, I do tend to make friends in like very random situations because I kind of, I always put out the energy that I want to connect to people. So even if I'm in line waiting for a smoothie, I might turn to the person next to me and like ask a question because I'm always, I, I always like to connect with new people. So I think the first thing, whether it's professional or personal, you can't build community. People don't know you're looking for community, right? Mm -hmm. So something as simple as putting yourself out there, even if like oftentimes I might just have something on my story or I'll tell my friend group, Hey, um, I'm looking for this. Do you, do you know anybody that I can connect with for this purpose? Um, I think for the business, simply just kind of sharing my story with other people. And that kind of just has a, this organic reaction where people have reached out to us and say, Hey, I heard from this person that you're working on this and, you know, I'm interested in applying or, or, something like that and happens very organically but I think the first step is really put it out there that you want to build community mm -hmm. whether it's talking with your friends and saying hey why don't we plan to get together why, why doesn't everybody invite somebody else at once to meet someone else or network or build community or if it's something more direct like um, putting it on your 
social media. Hey, I'm looking to plan a uh, a neighborhood get together. I want to meet more people in our neighborhood. Let's let's plan here. Um, I think the first step is kind of putting yourself out there, and that's uncomfortable for a lot of people. But uncomfortableness brings brings growth, and sometimes a lot of good things can come out of that. Yeah, I think that's a good reminder because. A lot of times when we think about like, oh, when you put like when you do things that are uncomfortable, it's opportunities for growth. And we think about that in the context of like maybe our professional careers or like, you know, mm-hmm. I just have to give webinars at my former job. And even like I don't mind. It's funny that now I'm like out here creating this podcast because at the time I was like, don't put me on camera. I don't want to do it. But then I think because I was doing that, like I'm at a space now where I'm comfortable enough to like, start a podcast, you know, and so I think it all happens for a reason but you are right it's the hardest part and I think we don't really think about that in our personal lives too it's just like how do you put yourself out there for your own personal growth outside of work and like you know your career Mm -hmm, whatever mm -hmm. that looks like so I think that's a really good reminder something that you've also um kind of been saying which is like the power of just asking right and like that's hard for people too. Sometimes that's hard for me, but it's like, you know, you don't, you'll never know if you don't ask and you have nothing to lose. Have you always been someone that was like, I'm going to ask and like, no, no. Cause I think maybe this can resonate with you, Carla, because I feel like when you grew up in a Filipino family and maybe an Asian family, right. You don't ask, you just, just like rude, right? Like you're not supposed to ask. You're just supposed to take what is given to you. You're not supposed to like really ask for help. You kind of just like rely on your inner circle, like within the home, right? It's not really even not just asking, being uh, vocal, like really, you know, kind of being extroverted. That wasn't something encouraged. It's like the kids that are quiet and obedient. And I'm not saying don't be obedient, but the kids that are quiet are the ones that you're like, oh, that's how you should be. Versus like, oh. I might need help. Why don't I talk to this person? Or why don't I share my story? I feel like growing up, the person that would share their story or talk about their journey, they were kind of seen as like uh, arrogant or boastful. And there's probably a fine line, but I think you can still tell your story and be humble um, and, and kind of get the help that you need. Or maybe someone can hear that say, oh, let me connect you to this person. Rather than being quiet and no one really knowing, oh, she actually needs help. But yeah, didn't say anything. And now she's like grunting, doing it all. <laughs> Not that I know from experience. <laughs> no, it's so true. I, I, and I, I think that is an S because it, there is a fine line of like, you know, being actually being full of yourself or also just like, I think coming from a place where you're just told not to do that, like you could benefit from even just like a little bit of speaking up for yourself really is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I think, yeah, the more that you do it, it just becomes easier and more natural. And then you're kind of breaking those. Um, I don't want to call it like a, but it's like, it's not a like generational like curse or whatever. You know what I mean? But these things that just get passed down because of our culture. The cycle, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yes, everyone, whether minority or not, like speak up and don't be afraid exactly. to. <laughs> Uh, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. What uh, what are some things that you, I feel like you're juggling a lot. And like, you know, I think you mentioned your husband's deployed right now too. Thank your husband uh, for his service. But I will. 
And I know you're a strong, confident woman who's running your businesses, but like what's, <laughs> how has being able to like take care of yourself a bit um, while he's out and running your business and, you know, where are you finding inspiration and where are you kind of finding your center to kind of just power through each day? Not that we need a man to be who we are, but I think like when he's yeah. like, yeah. you know, um, where are you finding that? I think it's, it's, it's been different. I think one of the things that I've been learning more of, because I think when you start a business, you're looking for opportunities to, right? To share your business and do all these things. And all these great opportunities come up, but I've been learning the power of just saying no. No, I can't. I, I, I don't have the bandwidth to take on more events or more things at the moment. And then also me just finding time for myself. And that has looked differently. Um, maybe it means I'm, I'm going to make sure I go to the gym for an hour, put my phone on do not disturb and just not look at my emails and notifications and all that. That has been kind of a form of self-care. And then also things that I used to never do before, but like I really have found joy in. I, I live a 15-minute walk from the Philadelphia Art Museum. I went to the art museum twice last month. And before that, I hadn't gone, gone for like a year, something crazy. Mm-hmm. And so like finding self-care and something as simple as appreciating art, right? I think food is art. Yeah. And so appreciating other people's art has been a form of self-care and also has found inspiration in that. And that um, just finding peace when everything seems to be crazy, you have to find a moment of peace, whatever that looks like for you. And for me, that might be the gym. It might be going to the art museum for two, three hours. Um, but I find a lot of energy, I think, just from being alone. I think that's an introverted part of me. Like, I do recharge when I have time for myself because otherwise I'm always around other people with the restaurant, uh, with my nonprofit, because um, I'm in the industry of connecting people. And so I found, like, my piece is when I have time, really for myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helpful that like your your husband's not here right now. You it forces that function for you to like be on your own too. You know, there's one thing I admired and um from watching your you know your journey on Instagram. I think there was when you traveled to the Philippines on your own for like an extended time, right? Wasn't that like so nice? <laughs> and I love seeing that because you were just so proud to be like like you know healthy relationship. I can go away and he can go away and we can come back and still like connect and that that be so powerful like. Um, what makes your relationship so strong that you guys can like do that and like, you know, find time away from each other and then still come back. And, um, because I think that's so inspiring to see. And I think part of times I think in relationships, and I find this in myself too, where, um, you know, like you kind of just are like, oh, we're together. Like we just do everything together. And, um, it's hard sometimes to find that space of like, oh, I'm going to go on this trip and like, that's okay. Right. Like you are not coming <laughs> just me. Um, <laughs> and I think that comes from like a healthy place in a relationship. And so, you know, like, can you maybe share like some, how, how does your dynamic work to like, you guys are able to be, be this kind of couple that's independent, but yet I feel like there's still such a love that comes out through even just like what you post, you know, and, um, yeah, I think it, it, it's, it's, couple goals <laughs> but oh that's so sweet I appreciate that I think it's 
just think it's so important that like when you're in a relationship, you kind of still have a piece of you that's just you and for yourself. Because I think when you become so intertwined, inevitably you do become intertwined to some extent. But then what's left of you, like just you? And that's kind of like your your own piece. And I think we've, my husband and I have gotten to the point where we can't, we also don't have a lot of control sometimes over when we're apart because he's in the military. Mm-hmm. So that has already kind of helped us navigate being apart because we've had to be apart. But then you have to really understand from both perspectives that you could still have a strong relationship and grow in your own way and still be supportive of each other. And I think it's so important that like you don't lose your own dreams and your own goals just because you're in a relationship because you never want to be in a situation where you're resentful of someone else that, oh, I couldn't do this because you wanted me to do this with you or whatever. Like I would never want a relationship like that. And I think a relationship is the most successful when the two people in that relationship are the best versions of themselves because of themselves, right? And that person's just going to make you better. So if you're already like top tier on your own and then you get in a relationship and that person is just supporting you and you're supporting them, like that's just like up, 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 up. So I feel like strong foundation starts with just the individual knowing who they are what they want and then finding somebody that supports that and then no matter what whether you're together whether you're apart that doesn't change because you already have such a strong foundation and that took us a, a long time and we've been together for for so long um but it was important for me that I support him and that the military is going to take him away from our home you know when he gets deployed mm. and I, that was something I really had to be okay with um, because that's what he wants to do. He wants to be in the military. So yeah. we just got to the point where we're going to support one another, no matter what. And if it's hard, we're just going to figure it out together. Yeah. No, I love that. And I, I, I just think it's so important, whether, no matter how far along you are in your relationship, it's always, and even when you're single, you know, like prioritizing you first, which I think yeah. is a little more difficult once you're in the weeds of, of like a relationship. But I think that's something I, it's like a cycle that I keep learning is just like, okay, like, cause I think it's so easy to lose yourself, but being firm in who you are and what your goals are and having a partner that can support that um, will make you both stronger. And I think it's, it's so easy to say, um, I think you, you guys do it well, but I think it's also just a good reminder for everybody else, you know, like it's okay to be like, I'm number one, um, even in this. It is. Yeah. Uh, Raquel, I don't want to keep you too long, but uh, anything else that you want to add? This has been so lovely. I feel like we've covered a lot, but is there anything else that you want to share? I, well, I wanted to ask you a question, Carla. Like, how has it been for you? Kind of like, I know you're starting the podcast and it's very different, but I, I know you've been in media. Like, how has this transition been for you doing something different and telling your stories also through? the podcast and everything that you're doing? I, it's weirdly comfortable for me to do that because I think what this podcast is for me is, and thank you for asking. I feel like I probably wouldn't have shared this in general. I would have been like, here's everybody else's stories and maybe you get snippets of mine, but um, for, yeah, I, you know, my background's in, in media. I worked for NBC, Al Jazeera, and then I switched over to content marketing 
Um, and I've always been told I was like a very like unique breed of marketer because I can kind of do a little bit of everything. I understand production. I understand, you know, putting together a story. I understand taking something that's complex and making it simple and, and telling that like storytelling in a way that is like understandable. Um, I have an eye for design and visuals. And so it's funny in like creating this podcast, I, I like one day like had this like this flow state moment of just like, I'm just going to do it. And then one day, like got a trailer recorded, edited it, and then, you know, did my branding and like put it on Instagram and like had it on Spotify and then did all my outreach. And it just was something that felt so easy and natural to me because I think that's just this podcast allows me to kind of operate in all of my skill sets and all of the things that make me feel fulfilled. And so to be able to like have people who wanted to be a part of that, like you, Raquel, is like such an honor because this is one thing I've I've dreamt of doing. And like the one thing that's it for a long time I've been thinking about and and now executing it just feels so easy and fulfilling. Like I feel like I'm like reliving my dream too. And so um it's not as hard to like get on here and like talk to people as I thought, because I think it's just me operating in like what I naturally um, kind of best at, but well, actually, no, I'm going to like talk about myself. You're good at it. You're now. good at it. Yes, you are. It's something that is just comes natural to me, like all aspects of it, even down to like, you know, after we do this conversation, I'll edit this. And like, I love editing. And like, so like everything about this podcast is just placed to my strengths that um, I truly enjoy. And so I know it's been, it's been a blast so far. And Well, I'm so happy that you're doing it. And like, I'm sure for you, like, just kind of like conceptualizing the podcast, going from that and now to like recording all the podcasts, it must feel so special. Um, and I'm just excited that you had me on. I'm so honored. And you're also like an amazing Filipina doing, just breaking barriers or doing things their own way. And I think just being unapologetic, that's the best thing that we can, we could do right now. Ugh, thank you, Raquel. That means so much. Oh, thank I love you. Keep together. doing it. You this in this space. So um, before we go, where can everyone find you? When does babies officially open? Do you have a note for those in Philly and who want to travel to Philly? You need to go to see Raquel. Yes. And Carla, come to Philly. Yeah. I <laughs> So we're in Philadelphia, Burgertown section of Philly, Nutty Parsons Art Museum. Um, we're looking at opening mid-September to early fall, somewhere on the time frame. We're still under construction. Uh, we're on socials um, at babiesphl on Instagram. Um, and our website's www.babiesphl.com. So more to come, but we're looking at an early fall opening. I can't wait to see this all come to fruition. So I'll make sure to link everything. Uh, Raquel, thank you so, so much for your time today. And honestly, that's such a wonderful conversation. It's so good to catch up with you again. You too. Thank you so much. And that does it for this week's episode of The Soul Fill. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. So many good nuggets in this one, and I hope you all were able to take something away that is truly filling for your soul. If you are in the Philly area, get ready. There is about to be some amazing Filipino food coming your way when Babies opens up, so make sure you're following Raquel on Instagram. And if you're not in Philly, save this one for your bucket list. Thank you all for tuning in.